Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to chat and we're going to have a bit of a discussion around an important passage of Scripture. Then we're going to have a pause. We'll receive our offering as we always do. And then I'm going to do some teaching on a very, very important topic, especially for men. And so that's what the evening looks like. And I want to read from Mark chapter 3, Jesus uh, speaking here, and he calls his disciples over to him. And it says, and he began to speak to them in parables. And he says, how can Satan drive out Satan if a kingdom is divided against itself? That kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. House always speaks of a life. Kingdom speaks of a kingdom, but house speaks of a life. So if your life's divided against itself, you can't stand strong as a man. And then he says, if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. Then he makes a very important statement and it really refers to us as Christians, Christian men. He says, in fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. He can then plunder the strong man's house. So Jesus here is saying we can't have divided hearts. And if we've got divided hearts, then it means we'll end up being tied up and then our lives will be plundered. And I've wondered about the things that really tie men up and weaken them because we're considered by God to be strong men but often Christian men aren't strong because they end up tied up by so many things. And I'm going to start with Pastor Chris. Uh, just ask you, what do you think it is that ties up Christian men? What, what gets them bound and weakens them? What do you think are the common things that are happening around us today? I think we live in a time uh, where there's so many things that can bind men up. And I love the scripture. Too. It doesn't just say men, it's just the strong man, mm -hmm. which means it doesn't matter how strong you are, you can still get tied up if you're a strong Christian, um, if you're strong physically. When you're caught by surprise, when you're not aware of those things, it can, it can tie you up. And I think uh, there's lots of distractions, there's temptations. But I think something that ties men up that we can often overlook is comfort. I think men, as men, as a generation, as mm. across the generation, comfort seems to be the goal. We work hard so that we can live a more comfortable lifestyle. So before we realize that comfort can, can be one of those things that tie us up. And if you look in the Bible, it tied up King David. When he was at home being comfortable, like many of us at home and we're comfortable, that's where his greatest temptation and that's where his failing happened. Because so often in life, the same thing can happen with you and I is we can be at home and we cannot expect it. And we've, we've slayed giants, we've, we've, run, we've run business as well, we've done all of these things, but when we get comfortable like King David, we can end up falling into sin. So true, so, something like so simple, complacency, comfort. Yeah. I, I think it was Pastor Dean who chatted at one time and spoke on this whole topic of complacency. Uh, you want to elaborate on that, Pastor Dean, the whole thing of complacency and comfort and people losing a sense of their purpose can tie them up. Yeah, absolutely, Pastor Andre. I, I think, you know, it's often been said that uh, comfort is the drug of choice for Christians. You know, sometimes we can very proudly and almost, you know, self-confidently and arrogantly say, oh, you know, we're not addicted to alcohol like other people there and we, you know, we don't have battle with pornography and we don't have gambling issues and all these other things and uh, almost have a bit of a self-righteousness about it. But, but I, think, I think comfort is, is absolutely the thing can that can take all of us out because comfort will take us out of God's purposes for our lives. 
the moment you live with a sense of comfort and contentment, well, well you basically step out of your God-given purpose and uh, life then becomes about pleasure. It becomes about self-fulfillment. And I think anyone who lives that way will, will never live with a sense uh, of divine purpose. That's so true. Pastor Chase, you uh, also mentioned something about being tied down by being complacent and men having a sort of a, uh, when we chatted about this, you, you mentioned that you want to elaborate on that as well. I mean, because I think it's very true, the comfort, complacency. Absolutely. I think, uh, I think sometimes as men, we also don't take the, the things that need to be taken seriously, serious enough. I remember something you said a while ago, Pastor, and it's something you actually preached about, about governing our lives, and that the mark of a mature Christian man is the ability to govern every aspect of our lives, govern our emotions, govern our, uh, govern our minds, govern our bodies, govern, uh, govern our, uh, our finances, and the moment we don't govern our lives is the moment we actually get, we get tied up by these things, and we, I, I kind of think of the men's conference that we had with the, with the, the big uh, Gulliver's Travels uh, um, kind of thing on the platform, yes. and it was tied down. Yes. I always think of that when we don't govern our lives we become complacent in those areas and when we become become complacent we become weak in those areas that's so true that you're that big gulliver with all the little strings it's all those little things eh? and and there's so many different ones um kaizen uh, sometimes there's uh, you know we talk about comfort and complacency but the strings that gulliver had one of them is like you know paying attention to what other people are doing eh? that's that's very true pastor andre Uh, one thing that really you know ties men up can be you know, unnecessary competition with other men. Yes. You know, sometimes we are too busy looking at what other people are doing instead of focusing on building our lives. I love the, the picture that the scripture paints that a house represents our lives. So if you want to, you know, keep looking outside, you know, literally your neck is tied to that house, that house, that house, True. instead of, you know, focusing and building your life and building your house. Yeah, you're looking out the window rather than focusing on what's going on exactly. inside and what God's given you too. Absolutely. You end up tied up with competition and, and you're never content, eh? No, you're never content. So good, so good. Um, my son, Pastor Adi, um, men being tied up, is it different down there in Belito? Uh, on that campus, <laughs> or are they men just like other men? Well, I think it's the same things that, that tie men up all over the world. I think, you know, we've touched on, on many of them. Distractions definitely is one of them. I think many people take up hobbies. They, they have other interests, and then those interests become, you know, almost like the main thing instead of keeping the main thing the main thing. Um, but I, I think certainly, like, like anywhere else in the world, you know, Men's struggles are men's struggles, and uh, I think something that I've that I've seen over the last while is that, you know, we, we we're very uh, conflicted. Men, particularly, we can be very divided within our value system. So we want to be highly successful, but we also want to chill. We want to be healthy, but we don't necessarily want to work out. Or you know, we want to we want to follow Jesus. We want to live for His purposes, but we don't necessarily want to you know, live according to his word or, you know, those types of things where, where we kind of find ourselves uh, divided within ourselves, within our value system. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've seen. One of the biggest challenges that I've had is to be undivided uh, within your value system, within within what it is that you really believe. And that way, you know, regardless of whether you're physically strong, I'm, I'm not particularly a, a man's man, uh, not you know, particularly physically strong or, you know, buff or anything like that. But I think that when you're strong on the inside with your value system, regardless of what comes to try and tie you up and get in the way and distract you, I think you'll have a very, very clear focus and a very clear path to walk. 
very good. I think I think it's true that there's a contradiction. You want to be strong at the same time you want to chill. Reminds me of Samson, uh, Pastor Dev, how Samson was this mighty man at the same yeah. time wanted to chill. He wanted yeah. he wanted the best of both worlds. And sometimes Christian men can find themselves tied up because they don't realize that it's dedication yeah. that brings the strength. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't be a strong man and a chilled man. Yeah. I think that Samson had everything going for him. I mean, he, he came into this world with such a calling to lead God's people, but he was distracted. And it was those small things along the way that he just couldn't rein in with maturity that, go, that caused him to live with the purpose that God had for him. And I, I think that there are four things in particular that he succumbed to, that all men can succumb to. I think it's firstly um, a sense of power. I think we're driven by need for power at any cost. Mm. We can be driven by a sense of pride at any cost. We can be sent, uh, driven by a desire for pleasure at any cost and driven by a desire for play at any cost. And those things inherently aren't bad things to want to have. But if we desire them at any cost, we will be tied down by those things, even Definitely. though each of them might seem individualistic to each of us, but all of us can succumb to one of those things in our own lives. Definitely, definitely. No one at the table has spoken about uh, sex or women. So, Claudio. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure why I mean. <laughs> but the classic picture of Solomon Absolutely. being tied up in the end. Absolutely. After all that wisdom and accomplishment exactly. ends up succumbing. 100%. Um, sad. Eh? And that's often so the sad. case that happens with, with uh, Christian men, sadly. Absolutely. I love what Pastor Dean was saying because we can be so self-righteous. And I think Sol uh, Solomon was in the space where he had received wisdom. You and I spoke about the fact that, you know, he was a horticulturalist and he knew biology and he was a philosopher. He wrote Ecclesiastes and all of these things. But at the end of the day, uh, his power got to him. His, his need for approval from women, for pleasing women got to him and he was tied down. Um, by his wives. And at the end of the day, the wholehearted devotion that he had for God started to wane. We read that in 1 Kings 11. And you know, the God that he had served, the God who gave him all the blessing, he just, uh, he released pretty much to serve other gods as, mm. as we can sometimes do. We just don't call them pagan gods anymore. You know, now we call them money or sex or lust, whatever it is, but we succumb to those things in opposition to God. Yeah, yeah. I think sometimes alternative interests can be the thing that can tie you down. You can kind of get involved with cars or bikes or sport or whatever. Things in themselves that are not wrong, but then they end up tying you down, take you away from God, take you away from church, and they become your obsession. And I think it's the nature of human beings to be excessive. We've got to constantly bring ourselves back to God and say, Lord, help me retain my strength. Help me not to be tied up with the wrong things, with the blessing. Help me, help me not to be tied up by my blessing. Because women and, and marriage and all that sort of things, all and possessions, all God's blessing, but it can tie us up. Maybe a last comment I'll start with uh, Pastor Aidy on, on the end. Maybe uh, what advice would you give to Christian men watching tonight who, who might find themselves tied up? What would you, what would you say to them? Well, I think, um, you know, just, just to kind of echo what I've already said, um, I think when you keep the main thing, the main thing, when Jesus is the center of your life, when you're living for something that is so much bigger uh, than just yourself, I think that that keeps you on track. I mean, you know, we, we, somebody touched on on uh, on play. I think it was Pastor Devon. You know, there's a lot of that down here at the coast. A lot of people uh, want to enjoy the lifestyle. I've, I've, I've met people who, you know, they join church and they, and they gung-ho and they want to serve and then slowly but surely they stop coming because they've gone fishing or because they're mountain biking or because they, 
you know they 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 do they have some of the interest that's slowly but surely taking them away or even or even their their business is thriving and so they've stopped coming to church the very thing that they came to church and prayed and trusted God for and none of those things are are wrong within themselves but but when you keep Jesus at the center when he is the central focus yeah. of your life then everything else uh, uh, fits into place. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all the other things. God knows what you need. All the other things fall into place. Your marriage is stronger. You become a better, uh, a better husband, a better father. You you become a better leader when Jesus is always the central focus. But the minute He's pushed out to, to to uh, you know to the side, or when He becomes peripheral to your actual life, that's that's when I believe that things start to go. Uh, pear shape they become a little bit undone but when he's always in the center if you look at everything through through the lens of scripture through through you know um, through Jesus being that central figure in your life that central person I think then everything else fits together very well and uh, and then that leads to a successful life rather than trying to chase success and then try to tuck Jesus in try to tuck your relationship try to tuck Christianity and church in as an afterthought that would be my my advice that's so true. Uh, Pastor Chris. I would tell me, I think we've all sort of touched on it, but I think one of the things would be, um, and I think Pastor Chase touched on it, is reprioritize. So make sure that your priorities yes. are right. That'll prevent you from getting tied down. I mean, I'm looking at the, the very nice set of golf clubs that are in front of me, and I saw a post on Instagram the other day, and it was a woman, and he said, things my husband will do for golf and not for me. Wake up early, plan to be there, and spend six hours with me. And, I, and when I read that, I was like, geez, that's pretty shocking because how often, and I mean, I play golf um, as well, so if you play golf, this is not an indictment on you, but how often do we get the priorities wrong where we'd be willing to go do that for golf, spend an hour and a half watching a soccer game and be entertained, but when it comes to spending an hour and a half with our kids, with our wife to plan a date night, we can often, we can often lose sight of what's the priority and what we should be focusing on at the sake of entertainment and comfort. And like Pastor Eddie was saying, well, when you put God first, you know, you seek first the kingdom of God, but then you maintain and you make sure you prioritize all the other aspects of our life. And when we do that, I think that is what would prevent us long-term from getting tied up by all those little things in life. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I think that prior, like Eddie said, prior prioritizing God, keeping Him first place, and uh, even with all the pleasures and that are available to us, is, uh, is making sure that priority is kept. Pastor Chase? I think the biggest thing is when you start growing a beard, you become a real man. And, uh, <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> in all seriousness, for me, what I think is uh, the two biggest things I would leave the gents is, number one, we need bold Christians, mm. bold Christian men, and number two, to take responsibility bold men who are willing to stand in for their convictions and bold men who are willing to say, prioritize, my marriage is coming first. God is coming first. I need to look after my family. I need to look after my wife. I can't be doing this anymore. This is not my lifestyle. I can't be. God has called me out of this because that boldness goes against the grain of what the world is doing. And secondly, tied to that would be to take responsibility, to own it as men, to be able to go, you know what? I can't be doing this anymore. I can't be headed in that direction. I need to be leading my family. I need to be an example in the workplace. So I think Christian men, we need need to be bold and take responsibility. Very good. Kaizen? Yes, very interesting discussion today. It is, eh? It's helpful, eh? I think it's very helpful. helpful. Yeah, I think one thing I'll I'll just talk about briefly is focus. You know, focus is one thing that we we need as men. And um, if we're going to run the race that God has, you know, put before us and run to win, we're going to have to, you know, let go of all kinds of distractions Mm -hmm. and stuff. I mean, you can be inspired by other men, but don't let 
being inspired now take the fo your focus away from what God has called you to, to do. So run, at, run your race, run at the pace that God has set for you, and in the end, you win. Very good. Yeah, very good. Excellent advice. Pastor Dev? I think that um, what we don't really realize is that to get unstuck and to get untied is actually far less complicated than we think, but often a lot harder than we realize. Um, it just takes a huge amount of dogged determination to get there. And I think, um, I think I mentioned four things earlier that we all can get ourselves tied up with. Um, I think that the four simple things that we can do just to get untied. And firstly, that's to find purpose. You've spoken so many times of the power of having a personal vision for your life. Um, if you have purpose, you've got vision, you've got clarity, and you've got momentum. Next thing is productivity. Just get going. Just start producing in your life because the moment you start doing that, you start getting a few small wins under your belt, and it's so much easier to find the motivation to keep on going. Number three is people. If you have the right people around you, you've got the right um, group of people around you that can speak into you, they can motivate you, they can help you. And then finally, praise. I love what Pastor Dean started off the meeting with. If we praise, we're putting God mm. at the center of our lives and we're making sure that He is on our side to help us to do what we need to do to get free of the things that are tying us up. So good, so good. Claudio, tell us, give us pulls of wisdom. Sure. Then in that case, you should be speaking, Pastor. <laughs> <laughs> we just... all have a contribution to make. And I think, you know, speaking from where you're at, from your age, from your perspective, really helps everyone who's watching. And I think there'd be a lot to be gleaned from everyone at the table. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Andrea. I, uh, I really truly believe what's been a revelation for me is just having a sober view of oneself. And I think if I can say anything to any man today, it's just to have a sober view of yourself. I think like Solomon you can get so caught up by your own press and, mm -hmm. and, and by the postmodern view that we're all good, that we actually lose sight that Romans 3 tells us that we're all sinners mm -hmm. and that even Jesus says no one is good but God. Yes. And actually the truth is that when you look at yourself soberly, because that's what the whole gospel is about, it's about who God is and who we are and actually we're not good and, and we're only good because of Him and His sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that, we... We have a different perspective. Uh, we, we have a humble perspective because I think as men, pride is probably at the root. And Pastor, you and I have also spoken about this, of the majority of all of us. And, but when you, have a, when you have a solid root of the fact that actually I'm, I'm not as good as I think I am. I'm not as bad as I think I am either. But thank God for His goodness. And through His goodness, uh, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. And, and, and He's going to help me. He's going to empower me through His grace. But remembering who you are, I think, is so important in order to break the ties that hold us down. Very good. To, 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 you know, the Bible says let no one uh, think they stand, lest they fall. Exactly. But it's actually recognizing your, your vulnerabilities. Eh? Pastor Dean, give us a pearl of wisdom all the way from Durban North. Uh, thanks, Pastor Andre. Mine's a pretty simple one. I think one of the, the biggest things, if not the biggest thing that holds so many men back is just a lack of consistency. Uh, you know, when we think of consistency, you know, most of us as guys, we don't get excited because... You know, we don't like to do the same thing over and over and over again repetitively. But, you know, I'm always reminded of uh, Joshua chapter 6 when they went into the promised land through Jericho. You know, God was very clear that, that everyone had to march around that city 13 times before those walls came down. And, uh, I mean, most of us as men, we, we would not cope well with that because, you know, we like to be like the men in the action movies. We go there with our fast car. We pull out our big guns. We shoot the bad guys. We rescue the lady who needs rescuing and we ride off and we live happily ever after. But uh, there's a great power in consistency. And I think anything in life that we are consistent in, we will always make progress in and we will always move forward in. I think most guys are good at starting things, but we're not always good at seeing them through. 
And uh, so my encouragement would be, you know, if you want to avoid getting stuck or tied up, just be consistent at doing the right things. And over time, your life will move forward and you will get victory and you will get breakthrough. I think that's so true. You know, let's just as we wrap up the segment now, uh, Jesus said in Mark 3, no one can enter a strong man's house unless he ties the strong man up. So it's not a given that we're tied up. We're first strong, then we get tied up. So we need to stand God through priorities, through making sure we put Jesus in the center, through being bold and courageous, not uh, being distracted and looking at what other people are doing, looking through the windows of our house and seeing what other, others are saying and doing. But focusing and realizing, you know, don't think you are, are impervious to falling. You're not. You need to lean on God, fear God, hold on to God, because without Him, we won't make it. And strong men are strong in the Lord, not just strong in themselves. And so we lean on Jesus. We trust Him for forgiveness of sin. And we lean on Him for His grace and His strength and the Holy Spirit in our lives. Well, as we get around the topic I want to speak about today, you know, when I was a young man, I always admired men that were strong and bold. They could do things without feeling anything. They could go into situations and wouldn't be put off. And I always kind of thought, gee, I wish I could do things without feeling anything. And I always thought that was the picture of a real man. But I've come to discover that if you do things without feeling anything, that's actually not a sign of manhood. That's actually a sign of weakness because God has actually made us strong men, but he's also made us tender. I was reading a fascinating book. It's called Without Conscience, The Disturbing World of the Psychopaths Among Us by Robert Hare. And in the book, he talks about psychopaths. He describes them as those who inflict harm and manipulate others and ruthlessly plow their way through the lives of others, leaving hurt, destruction, shattered lives, broken hearts, and empty bank accounts. And, and he says that psychopaths are people who don't have a conscience. They don't feel anything. That's why they're able to hurt people so easily because they are without feeling. The word psychopath, the word psycho means mind. You know, we always call a person, you're a psycho. Well, it really just means mind. And path uh, means disease or pathos means disease. So it's a disease of the mind where you don't have a conscience, where you don't feel anything. You know, we talk about gender violence in today's world and we keep on having marches and protests and we're trying to solve this problem. But the reason men beat up women is because they don't feel anything for them. They can smash a woman to pulp and in the morning and go to work and feel nothing. And we have uh, crime and violence on the increase. We have more serial killers than we've ever had before. More Ponzi schemes where people can fleece pensioners of millions and millions of rands or dollars. And then they can live their lives in luxury and feel nothing. It's because their consciences have been damaged. And a man has got to have a healthy conscience. And I want to speak to us about keeping our conscience in good repair for a couple of minutes tonight. Because when you don't have a conscience, you become insensitive and you can do things and hurt other people. And it seems manly, but actually it's not. It's not God's plan for men. Today's world, we are told not to feel guilty. In fact, we're encouraged to have a high self-esteem and not to feel guilty of anything. And anytime you feel guilty of doing something wrong, it's a condition. But actually, it's not a condition. It's actually sin. And we've lost our sensitivity to sin. And it's because we don't have a healthy conscience. 
And I don't think this is just a, a, applies to men who don't know Jesus. The book here talks about the disturbing world of psychopaths among us. I think even in the Christian world, men can start losing their conscience gradually over a period of time through doing things, beating their wives, watching pornography, stealing money at work, uh, just ignoring what they watch on television, maybe with, join with friends, have a joint every now and again, get a little bit drunk, oh, well, it was only once. And eventually the conscience gets eroded until we don't feel anything anymore and we wonder why we're not right with God. That early warning system has broken down. I read about a woman who actually robbed a bank. Uh, her and a group of people went and robbed a bank and she was on the run for 23 years. woman by the name of Catherine Powers and uh, she robbed this bank in Boston. And then finally, after 23 years, she uh, handed herself in in 1993. And everyone was amazed. Oh, you know, your conscience must have got the better of you. Um, one of the gang actually killed a policeman who had nine children. So you'd think, shame, it must have bothered her. But her husband said this. He said she didn't give herself up out of guilt. She wanted her life back and she wanted to be whole. And when they interviewed her, she said, you know what, I wanted my child to have me. It wasn't about the other person or feeling a sense of guilt and that I did wrong. It was actually all about her. And it showed that her conscience was completely ruined and damaged. Even though her father of nine had been murdered in the process. John MacArthur, in his wonderful book called The Vanishing Conscience, says this. And I think this is a really challenging statement. He says, remove the reality of sin and you take away the possibility of repentance. Abolish the doctrine of human depravity, and you void the divine plan of salvation. Claudia, you referred to that earlier and spoke about how we start to think we're good. Erase the notion of personal guilt, and you eliminate the need for a savior. No one today seems to need Jesus. Why? Because we're all fine. We just need a bit of self-esteem. And then he says, obliterate the human conscience and you will raise an amoral and unredeemable generation. Wow. wow. You know, Paul writing to the Ephesians and speaking to the church talks about their position in Christ, but then he comes to the practical, where they're actually living. And he reminds the church in chapter four of Ephesians. I want you to notice here the warning he gives us, and especially to men tonight. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. In other words, this is important that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. In other words, something's gone wrong in the psyche, the psycho. He says they are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Interesting thing. They've lost sensitivity, he says. In fact, in verse 19, he says, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality. In other words, whatever feels good, to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. You know what happens to your conscience when you keep pushing against it and, and, and allowing it to get dulled? Uh, the Greek here almost implies that it gets calloused. And you know when you've got calloused hands, when you've worked and worked and worked, eventually you don't feel the rough steel or the splinters because you've touched it so much, there's no more sensitivity. Paul says that's happening to the world and it's in danger of happening to a Christian man and it's his early warning system that he's actually damaging that is keeping him right with God. So six things quickly that will help us keep a healthy conscience. Number one, a healthy conscience will respect authority. Yeah. 
Whenever you've got a healthy conscience, you'll always respect authority. That's why have you noticed there's so much anarchy in the world today. No one listens to authority. There is complete rebellion against parents, government, and there are always reasons because, you know, they're not good and, you know, they're rotten government and they're overbalanced and whatever. Paul says, no, when you've got a good conscience, you, you, you respect authority. And I don't have the time tonight, but uh, David once was on the run from Saul and King Saul uh, is looking for David and while he's searching for David he goes into a cave and while he's in the cave he, he's, he's actually relieving himself David and his men are actually in the back of the cave when Saul comes in to relieve himself and David leans forward and cuts a piece of Saul's robe off and his men tell him hey kill him kill him the Lord's given him to you kill him kill him and David says no and he cuts off a piece of his robe and then when Saul goes out the cave David goes and says see I could have killed you but I didn't but the Bible makes this point in 1 Samuel 24 where the story is related it says David didn't kill him because he was conscience stricken you see his conscience governed him he wasn't goaded by other men who were out for for blood who, who said hey this you deserve to do this David's conscience was in good repair and it prevented him from rebelling against a man who clearly was not walking in the will of God, but he was in authority because he was the Lord's anointed. And so we've got to respect authority both in the church and outside. I love what Paul says in Romans 13. He says, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. So when your conscience is in good repair, you'll always respect authority in the home, in the church, in business, and, and you'll, you'll be a person who's sensitive to those things. The second sign of a healthy conscience, a healthy conscience is sensitive to sin. It's not silenced by sin, it's sensitive to sin. And so a, a, a healthy conscience doesn't become calloused. It's kept sensitive and it's sharp. George Washington said this. He said, labor to keep alive in your breast that little spark of celestial fire called conscience. In other words, God's burning in there and you need to keep that alive because it keeps you sensitive to sin. Paul writing to young Timothy warns him in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, now the Holy Spirit clearly tells us that in the last time some will turn from the faith. We're seeing that and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. There's certain things that are being taught in churches today where we don't have to do this anymore and we can accommodate that. Those are teachings of demons. And he goes on to say, these people are hypocrites and liars and their consciences are dead. Not just insensitive, they're actually dead. How can a Christian get to that point? He's running to the church. It's where you don't keep it healthy and you don't respect authority and it loses its sensitivity and it becomes silenced by sin. And he talks to Timothy again in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And he warns him, don't teach false doctrines and warn those who are teaching false doctrines. And he says, our goal is this. It's love which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. You can see that a healthy conscience is sensitive to sin. You know, I was thinking back about how it was during the tsunami in uh, Indonesia and how tragic that was. Over 200,000 people died in that tsunami. Dreadful, dreadful thing. And the reason they died is because they didn't have an early warning system. Today, all over the world, early warning systems are in place, satellites, and they pick up 
air pressure and, and uh, they read the sensitivity of the air and so on. It even feels the vibrations under the sea. Very sensitive instruments that can tell you, hey, trouble's coming. And your conscience is that. Yep. It reads the atmosphere. It picks up underground tendencies and it warns you, hey, you're going to be damaged if you don't pay attention. And uh, we've got to listen to our conscience. We mustn't push it aside. You know, way back in 1984, an Avianca jet from Spain was about to land at Madrid airport. And uh, the pilot didn't listen to his instruments because there was a thick mist. And uh, the plane ended up crashing into a mountainside and uh, over 100 people were killed, 18 crew were dead. And uh, when they found the black box, they took the black box out and they listened to the flight recorder. And the interesting thing was the flight recorder kept saying, pull up, pull up, pull up. And it was giving an alarm. And you know what the pilot said? He said, shut up, gringo. And moments later, it slammed into the mountain. And our conscience is sometimes like that. It's telling us, pull up, pull up. And we go, shut up, gringo. But it's keeping us from smashing our lives and destroying our lives. 1 Timothy 1.18, Paul says, you need to fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience. He says, which some have rejected and have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. You'll commit spiritual suicide when you don't have a healthy conscience. Number three, the third thing here, a healthy conscience never justifies itself. Today, what people are trying to do is they're trying to get away with sin. And the, and the more they feel guilty, the more they try and justify themselves. I was born like this. I feel it's so natural. Uh, you know, uh, why is it wrong? And, and a, a healthy conscience will always put God first and say, yes, Lord, I submit to you. And it listens to, to the Lord. The actor, Will Rogers, said this. He said, people are getting smarter nowadays. They are letting lawyers, instead of their conscience, be their guide. We need to let our conscience be our guide mm -hmm. and not try and justify things and try and get around God's laws and around laws when we find ourselves in trouble. You know, Joseph's conscience guided him when he was far away from home. There was no church. There was no law. And part of his wife came onto him day after day after day. And he said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? And although she plagued him, the Bible says, and went after him on and on, his conscience was his guide. And we've got to let our conscience be our guide and never justify sin. We've got to say, no, God comes first. I'm going to honor the Lord and I'm not going to allow myself to go down this road. I want to ask you as a man, are you trying to justify things when women are coming on to you and someone is interested in you, even in the church, someone starts flirting with you? Do you justify it by saying, yes, well, my marriage is pretty much, it's been pretty much over for quite a while. And, you know, she came on to me. I didn't come on to her. And, you know, my wife and I haven't had sex for a long time. So, you, so we try and justify instead of allowing our conscience to say, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Pull up, pull up, stop. This is not of God. And it's so dangerous to allow your conscience to become dulled. I remember telling a story, and you guys may remember it years ago. It's one of my favorite stories. But in India, in one of the remote tribes, a missionary asked a congregation of men and one of the leaders, he said, do you know what a conscience is? And he said, oh, yes, sir, I know what a conscience is. He said, it's that three-cornered thing in my heart. When I sin, it turns and the points prick me. 
But if I carry on sinning and I ignore it, the points wear away until I don't feel wow. it anymore. So good. We must never let our conscience get worn away. Mm-hmm. Keep it healthy. Never justify sin. Number four, the fourth thing is a healthy conscience is a clear one. Oh, I love it when your conscience is clear. And Paul strove to maintain a clear conscience. Acts chapter 24, it says, So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Glenn Campbell, the singer, said this. He said, There's no pillow as soft as a clear conscience. You know, when your conscience is clear, you're at rest, you sleep well. And you can lead with confidence too, especially if you're a Christian leader. That's why Paul says, I strive to keep my conscience clear. When he was speaking to the church in the book of Hebrews, and we believe he's probably the author of the book of Hebrews, he said, submit to your leaders and obey them and follow them. And then he says this. He says in verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 13, pray for us. We are sure we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in all things. You see, when you desire to have a clear conscience, you can lead with a clear conscience because you know it's not out of a wrong motive. I'm not manipulating these people. I'm not trying to get the better of some woman. I'm not trying to get rich people's money. I'm doing this because my conscience is clear. And a healthy conscience is a clear one. It's free. And I'll tell you what, when you've got a clear conscience, you're a happy man. The great economist, Adam Smith, who many people will remember, said this. He said, what can be added to the happiness of a man who is in health, out of debt, and has a clear conscience. Man, it's such a freeing thing. Number five, a healthy conscience is a committed one. You know, when we come to Christ, we give him our hearts, and the Bible says our conscience is cleansed. Well, we've got to stay in that place where we're committed to a cleansed conscience and not allowed to get contaminated. 1 Peter chapter 3 It talks about our baptism, and this is what it says. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. So we come, we receive the blood of Jesus, we're forgiven from our sin, we feel, now we've got to stay there and stay committed to a clear conscience, not allowed to get eroded and become insensitive, because we made that pledge at baptism. Lastly, number six, a healthy conscience is a clean one. We constantly have to cleanse our conscience. It doesn't automatically become clean. And uh, in the book of Hebrews again, chapter 9 and verse 14, Paul writing says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse your conscience from acts that lead to death? so that we may serve the living God. Then we jump into chapter 10 of Hebrews. And he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with a full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. The way we maintain a clean conscience is by coming to God and acknowledging for sensitivity to sin, an awareness that our conscience is being contaminated. Our early warning system warns us, but then we come to God and we say, sorry, Lord, Quicken me again, cleanse me and forgive me, and then our conscience is healthy again. It's our early warning system. And men, when we don't look after it, we're heading for trouble. And that's why there's so much gender violence, serial killers, psychopaths. Women often say, my husband's a psychopath. When you lose feeling, that's when trouble starts to come into your life. So as a Christian man, take heed and have a healthy 
conscience. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.